And welcome to another episode of Digesting the Force. Today we are continuing our 11-episode special event where we talk about the Star Wars saga as I watch each movie for the very first time. Each episode will discuss that movie as a first-time watch with no knowledge of the movies released after it. We decided to watch in release order, and today we are watching what is considered one of the greatest sequels of all time, The Empire Strikes Back. As always, I am joined by my host, Aaron. Aaron, how are you today, darling? <laughs> Good! What a upbeat intro to an upbeat movie of Empire Strikes Back. I'm good though. How are you, Christina? I'm excited. Aaron and I could not go on this journey alone, so we have invited Star Wars experts and super fans to join us throughout this special event. And today we are joined by one-fourth of my favorite Schmodown after show, Jake Berlin. So Jake, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you guys so much for the invite of the greatest sequel of all time. Not one of, the greatest sequel of all time. All right, I'm excited. So before we jump into our talk and get into everything, I invited you on because you were pretty shocked that I've never seen Star Wars. So why do you like Star Wars? What about it is so great to you personally? (sighs) It's tough. It's always been around in my life as far as like a constant, because I grew up in an era where for the first seven, eight years of my life, there was no Star Wars. There was like, I was watching the, the originals and you know I'm on the younger side. So I consider myself what's called a prequel baby. So I grew up with the prequel movies. I grew up with Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith for a long time. All the new toys, games, all that type of stuff. And so back when I was growing up, Star Wars was really like the thing to be a part of. Legos, you know, video games were obviously a big part of everything and not much of a reader or anything. But I just remember watching it constantly, all the time. I don't know what it was that hooked me. Maybe it was jumping into this world that we knew nothing about. The hero's journey of Luke Skywalker, a big fuzzball in Chewbacca. I mean, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's just something about it. It's so magical. And I know you guys can see it, but just my background is just full of crazy stuff that I've enjoyed collecting throughout my lifetime. And yeah, it's just for a lot of people, it's the same thing. It's just this magical thing that kind of hooked you and you don't really know what it is. Awesome. All right, guys. So again, today we are discussing the greatest sequel of all time, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. This was released in 1980, so a nice little three years after A New Hope and three years before Return of the Jedi, which I literally can't even imagine right now watching movies and then having to wait three years for the sequel. Like All I kept thinking was, oh my God, if I had to watch Infinity War, see that snap and wait three years. Jealous. People were ancient back then, right? I'm jealous. Yeah, and... (laughs) This was not directed by George Lucas. This one was directed by Irvin Kirshner, if I'm saying his name correctly. Um, And the synopsis of this movie is, after the rebels are brutally overpowered by the Empire on the ice planet Hoth, Luke Skywalker begins Jedi training with Yoda while his friends are pursued by Darth Vader and a bounty hunter named Boba Fett all over the galaxy which I feel like is missing a lot of information. It, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like the gist of it. Yeah. But there's definitely, it almost makes it sound like the Hoth part was the previous movie, is, is what it kind of sounds like. Yeah, like they were assumed that they were there already. Yeah, like in an MCU synopsis, it'd be like previously on, essentially, and that'd be the previous movie. And that makes it sound like Hoth was what we just previously watched instead of starting this movie off. Right, because we learned about Hoth, and I learned about this in the crawl, which are the words that float up, which apparently is a thing that I will have that will have it in every movie. At Maybe. least you call it a crawl this time. I thought it was called the scroll. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Young so, title on learning quickly. Yeah, so that kind of sets the scene that okay, some time has passed. They're on this ice planet right now. It's very cold. And that kind of just sets us up for what's happening, that the rebels are still trying to fight the Empire, which is like, okay. I'm going to just blowing up the Death Star was like not that big of a deal, I guess. Empire is still going strong because I feel like you blow up the Death Star. No. Yes. Like. So, yes, it was very important, but not the entire fleet was there. Okay. I don't know. I know it's like weird to say because it's such a big thing, but the entire Galactic Empire was not present at that time. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just like, I don't think they quite get across how small the rebel forces are, especially New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and how huge the Empire is. So Mm. if this was reversed, if somehow, which the rebels would never have, like their version of a Death Star, it would have hit them much harder than it. This is just showing what a huge battle the rebels are. It's not rebels, Empire, rebels are equal to Empire. Obviously, Uh the rebels. 
So I think that's just something that maybe George Lucas, I mean, again, this wasn't planned to be trilogy. So maybe these are things that they're adjusting on the fly a little bit. Part of the magic of how it works so well, especially is some of it is kind of improvised in a way as it's going. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got the gist though, that this movie and the next movie were planned kind of like how back to the future was its own thing. And then when they knew they wanted to do two, they also did a three kind of thing. So kind of definitely, if you don't know, because it's your first time watching the person who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, Alec Guinness, he actually signed on to the project thinking the movie was going to fail. He didn't even believe in the movie and nobody else did. So everybody thought the movies were going to flop. Like nobody knew what this whole thing George Lucas was making. And then the first one crushed and then they made a sequel. They're like, okay, well now we have to make more of these because of how well it did. So yeah, I would say two and three were definitely a planned event, especially that ending. So yeah, but I do think like it's interesting because at the time there was no awareness. This was a planned event still. So maybe we'll get into overall reception a little bit but this movie when it came out was not the beloved classic it is now what part of what makes it the best sequel ever is it's getting better with time in my opinion because yeah more people are finding what when it came out it was not understood there was a third one coming out like at all so like people were just like nothing really happens in the this is a true sequel it doesn't stand on its own yeah it's just an interesting aspect to looking at this movie to me so when this movie opens up we see all of our old friends again we got leia we got luke we got han who is pronounced han which we'll get to him later because that annoyed me to no end um <laughs> we got my favorites we got c-3po we got r2 we got chewy which i he just bothers me but whatever oh yeah chewy i just like he's i'm not down with him i just feel like he just is there we're gonna have oh. to have some talks I about, I am about like, characters. I, yeah, the characters you have problems with there's a that's a that's a shot to the that's an absolute shot to the heart right there i don't know if it's like an edward jacob twilight situation where you have to pick but i prefer the droids over certain other characters over the wookies so far Yeah, I do like seeing the development of the relationship between Han and Leia because I am like I'm obsessed with it because the little nuances throughout the film of just like and we'll get into this a little bit later when they meet Lando of just like how Han would like swoop in and like take her by the arm and always like and I was like he just loves her so much and of course like I watched this with Anthony and I'm like you don't love me like that like why don't you like it so <laughs> he's like just never watch the movie um, their relationship was like so cute but. You know, she also kisses Luke, which is uh, questionable, I think. I think, because I think I know what happens with them. But we're just going to pretend like I don't know what happens with them. And she's just trying to play hard to get. And Luke just happened to be there. Absolutely. Yeah, you're just telling me. <laughs> you know, it's a classic. If I'm watching this for the first time, I'd imagine I'd view this just as the classic lover's triangle here. I mean, right. and with the best friend, like, you know, Han loves Luke probably more than Leia loves Luke anyways. So I think Han's just mad that he didn't get the kiss before Leia, if anything. So. Oh, yeah, it's a shot to the ego for Han, 100%. 100%. And that's still like a huge part of Han's identity. And it, I'm excited to talk about Han later in this movie because I definitely have some cold takes on on but we'll save those i mean he clearly likes luke i love how he always calls him kid and i feel like he just has like that older brother like mentality with him and i just i feel like they almost introduce han like you're not supposed to like him and then you wind up like loving him the most is kind of like the gist I was getting. They were like, I'm not sure if we want you to like this guy, but then you wind up liking him anyway. Like he has his character arc of he's actually really like a, this caring, deep person. He just doesn't want to present himself that way. He's like the cocky older brother, you know, right. that in a lot of stories and movies of past, we see either like the cocky older brother or the cocky best friend. And you're kind of like teetering between the two a little bit, but eventually he becomes like the hero or the good guy. I mean, I never got that vibe from him because I, I mean, Han Solo is my favorite Star Wars character ever. So I have a biased yeah, yeah. opinion on him, but... I, I can see that. Well, and I think the other part with him is that I kind of expected Han to be the one who, because of his cockiness and everything, needs to get saved often. But I think his cockiness turns to confidence and causes him to save Luke multiple times in New Hope from drowning in trash water. And now it saves him, you know, when we get to the Bigfoot Yeti character that can't the be detected. That, the long, that can't be detected by life-detecting droids. Yeah. They need to get those fixed ASAP. <laughs> yeah, Luke really needed a little Yukon Cornelius there when he got attacked by the abominable snowman. Yeah. Like that old Rudolph. 
all. I've seen it once or twice. I was not ready for those cuts. And what were the like that dinosaur looking things that they were riding? Like the tar, the tartan Ta- or the tauntauns. Tauntauns. Oh, I felt really bad for that guy. That was I was like, oh, he felt bad. That was really sad. He did, but he eventually he saved our heroes, so it works out. Yeah, because they cut him open. That was really gross. Which watching this as a kid, man, I was so grossed out by this. And because of these reasons, like this was my least favorite of the original three as a kid, to be honest with you. I didn't enjoy the darkness. I thought it was cold. I obviously didn't understand the emotional undertones with Leia and Han and everything like that. And it was just very adult and it kind of scary. And so I was just like, as a kid, I was not about Empire Strikes Back. I remember going to college and realizing it was like this great sequel. Because like as a kid, like I just was like, yeah, we, my friends and us, we didn't like Empire Strikes Back compared to the other movies as much, actually. So... It's definitely the most adult of maybe even all the Star Wars movies. Maybe Rogue One is in there and you'll get to that eventually, but it definitely takes everything very serious. And I can picture that scene in my head where he just slices that thing open and the guts come flushing out. But I got to say, what a smart move by my boy Han. Smart move. (laughs) I love Han. You don't have to convince me. Han's my boy. (laughs) I totally agree. What did you think of when our Bigfoot showed up, Christina? What was your kind of thoughts on that? I definitely yelled like a child. (laughs) 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 I literally was like, ah! Like, what is that? So I'm very like audible. I really should have videotaped myself as I was watching these because there was a lot of times where I would scream out and be like, oh no! And literally, I was like, what the hell is happening here? Like, what what is going on here? We're in this freezing planet. Like the empire is coming to attack us. And like, what is going on? And then Luke Skywalker just gets snatched up and like nobody seems to care where he is, which like that was offensive to me. Poor Leia is running around. Of course, no one is taking the woman seriously when she's trying to raise her concerns. <laughs> everybody's just like oh it's fine and then like Han's like no I'll go get him and then she's just like yo both of my boys are out here and like that's it I'm alone now and now she's like I don't know which one I want to pick she's like I guess whoever comes back that's what I find out from her (laughs) (laughs) who would you have picked if you were Leia oh god I that's a tough one because I do love Luke but Han is so far I don't know I think I'd probably just be friends with Han though because we would just like bust each other's balls all the time (laughs) (laughs) so you go I think I would I I think if I had to like marry one of them, I'd marry Luke. I think he's so he's the safe he's the safer choice. Fair yeah, enough. You just want to like squeeze his cheeks and be like, "You're so cute, and you did such a great job saving us." And like, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe neither of them. I don't know. No, no, no. no. You made your choice. <laughs> we'll see how that choice plays out. <laughs> yeah, after watching all of them, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. All right. So this is where Luke, right, because he's slowly freezing to death, is when we. I told you. Obi-Wan Kenobi wasn't totally dead. I said that in the last one. I said he wasn't dead. I don't totally get it still, but he talks to Ben, to Obi-Wan Kenobi, and old Ben is like, you need to go to some other planet whose name I never remember because all of these words in this movie are made up. And you need to find Yoda and you need to train. And like, that was it. And that's what we get. And then Luke has like this revelation that if he is saved, he needs to go. Right. That's where we see Obi-Wan. So he needs to go to the Dagobah system. Thank you. See, this is why Jake's here, ladies and gentlemen, because (laughs) I don't remember the words. (laughs) (laughs) So do you want, do we want to talk about the force ghost aspect of all of this? Because that's technically what it's called. Absolutely. I don't understand the force and I'm going to ask you several questions about it later. So at the time, if we're looking at it just between, the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, this is still very not explained. It isn't. It got explained over many movies over a long time. The simple breakdown is that the Force is a living thing and Jedi can become one with the Force and they essentially become the Force themselves and can project themselves in the afterlife, which is what Obi-Wan Kenobi is doing. So he is dead, but he's not dead. He can't interact with living things, but you'll see that there are certain aspects of being a force ghost that you can interact with, but you can't like physically involve yourself as a force ghost because of certain rules and stuff. So, hmm. okay. 
Okay. All right. I still have another question about the force, but I'm going to wait until later to ask my question because it comes into play a little bit later in the movie. So Luke gets saved. Empire comes. Oh, and then they do the thing that they reference in Civil War. And I was really excited because I was like, I remember when Spider-Man <laughs> Empire Strikes Back and they take down those like elephant looking things. AT-ATs. Yeah. Oh, why don't I know the names of any of these things? So they're called AT-ATs, but a lot of people call them AT-ATs. You can call them AT-ATs. I feel like they look like elephants. I'm going to stick with that. That's fair. It's very fair. (laughs) The Empire is coming in wrecking havoc. Like the rebels really put up a valiant effort, but not really because they were just like getting their butts handed to them. And then everybody's like, we're going to meet at the rendezvous. And Luke's like, see you there, except not. And he goes (laughs) over to that place. He just like snatches up R2 also, which like I thought was a little rude. You were just like, let's go. You're going on this secret mission with me. And like, we're not telling anyone that we're leaving. Like, So pilots in ships in Star Wars, they have a droid with them. All ships have droids as they're like co-pilots, I guess you could say. But they essentially fix things if something happens. And that is R2 for Luke. You know what is rude? How you treat Chewbacca, who is just working on Han's ship the entire time. And you're like, what about the robots? What about the droids? No, yeah. What about yeah. what about Chewbacca? Well, yep. I'm going to be honest. I've watched two movies right now, and the Millennium Falcon or Falcon. I don't actually think anyone knows how to pronounce words in these movies. <laughs> never seems to work. So clearly Chewbacca doesn't do that great of a job of fixing it. He's trying his best. He's working out like by himself. Like, I don't actually know what a Wookiee is, but they're probably not not very good with mechanical engineering and should probably look into something Ooh. else. Ooh. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> Man, shots to the heart. Oh, it's going to get worse because when we get to that planet where we find Yoda, Yoda is super annoying and I am like over him talking. By design, he's annoying at first. (laughs) He should be annoying at first. This is part Uh of the test and part of the training begins now. Begins as soon as he gets there. It's it's basically the way I look at it and then I'll let the expert actually explain it is like, how does the person treat a cashier? The way you treat a cashier is I don't care how you treat the celebrity or the CEO how do you treat the cashier at the grocery store like that reveals how you are as a person so it was a character reveal are you going to treat this physically incapable dim-witted creature who isn't like you are you going to treat him well and trust him show that you have the control to have this power or not basically is how i looked at it but i don't still know how you hate yoda i don't hate him i found him annoying the whole time no, not the whole time. Okay. So just at the beginning? I, here's my thing. And I think I'm a little tainted. I teach middle schoolers, so annoying yeah. sounds really get to me. And the sound of his voice was just at, at a tone I just wasn't into. That's I don't think he's a bad guy. Like, I would hang out with Yoda. I mean, there were points where I was like, oh, just the sound of your voice is a little annoying. I think, you know, that's where I am. I don't, you know, I think he's a cool dude. I think he does. He serves his purpose. I've heard, I all, I've heard all of these things before in my own life. And <laughs> yeah. they hurt, I, I think they might have hurt less than this <laughs> although which is weird that i don't find c3po annoying because he's so dramatic and normally i find that annoying <laughs> but i think it's so funny <laughs> c3po is just great though the, to me like just seeing the different performances from those actors in these roles yeah. is so cool anthony daniels in what 3po does and then frank oz with with yoda and i understand the annoying part of it because when you first meet him he it really is this completely different character and you're right when you talk about like it's a test the second he landed right He's seeing what Luke has because he already knows at this point that Luke is coming. That's just what you have as a Jedi. You have the senses and you have the abilities to know that. And so he knows that Luke is coming. And now it's from there on out. It's just testing to see if this kid really has it. If he is the chosen one, if he is the one that's going to bring balance and and all of these things that are said. And it's really cool to see the transformation that takes place throughout the movie with these two. It's some of my favorite stuff in Star Wars, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But Yoda is very, very important to a lot of things that happen with not just Luke, but the overall meaning and kind of everything about Star Wars. He's like the central part of what it really all means. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as of right now, Luke is technically not a Jedi. He has the potential to be one. You can kind of consider him a Padawan at this point. A Padawan takes on a different meaning at, at another point in the franchise, but right now he's a Padawan to Yoda's master. Okay, all right, all right. I was impressed with his handstand thing that he was doing. And I was like, yo, I need the force because I can't do a handstand. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's all the Jedi training that, that he's got to get and pass all that stuff and focus and, you know, come right. to balance, if you will. Which is kind of what I thought the first movie was missing a little bit. So I'm glad I got that in the second movie because I was like, all right, it seems like the force is a huge deal. Obi-Wan keeps talking about it. And then like, we just didn't do like enough with it. So it's kind of nice to see that we are going to do some sort of like training, it seems, in this movie and possibly moving forward. Yep. What should we talk about next? Should we talk about when Han and Leia kiss for the first time? <laughs> Do it. Yo, I was into it. It is better than most rom-coms I have watched because the tension is palpable. And you can tell that she is enamored with him and she just acts like she hates his guts. But really, she's like, please love me because I love you. And it's so great. And they like embrace and they have this like make out moment. And then it was rudely interrupted. I was like, oh man, that sucks. Because they were about to like, stuff was about to happen. This movie was about to be played in R. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, I know this is a cliche answer, but it's the greatest romance that sci-fi films have ever seen. It's the pretty popular girl, right, who comes from a very high up background, goes down and finds this kind of, not scum of the earth, but someone who is just a bad boy who lives life on the edge, very low budget type of life. As we talked about, the Falcon is on the verge of collapsing at every moment, and they find this common ground, and you can tell that Leia is just, from the second they had met, there was an instant connection between the two of them they have this hate love between the two of them and that always seems to work out in the end for some reason but i just love the way that han plays it too and he's like oh like you know do you need me to help you and he's got like this really fun voice that like harrison ford plays it so well carrie fisher yeah. plays it so well and it just blossoms it just blossoms from there so it's special i love it so why do they end up with Lando again? What is the reasoning? Why can't they go to where they needed to go? Because weren't they all supposed to go to a rendezvous point? Oh, wait, hold up. Because don't they get caught? Doesn't the Empire find them? Yes, that's why. Oh, I love this part. And they thought it was light speed. And then they were really stuck on the back of the ship. And I was like, that is like some clever thinking. Because I'm not going to lie. Han didn't seem that smart. I don't think it was his idea. I, idea. I think they didn't show us that. And I think she whispered in his ear and was like, this is where you should hide and she's the brains behind the operation that's fair we could go with that theory i mean right. i don't have an argument against it because there there wasn't a counter to that so that's fair yeah. yeah so you heard it from here first everybody it was princess leia's idea to hide on the ship which <laughs> that is so clever darth vader's just like killing people left and right using the force like those poor admirals man like i do not want to be promoted in, in that <laughs> And that thing, I'm like, oh crap. And they're like taking it with like an honor. Like I'm in charge now. Like, no, I wouldn't want to be. And then they get into the, or no, they, how do they trick them into the trash? I swear, I watched this movie yesterday, but I was so focused on the ending that I was like, this is what I want to talk about. So, so I, th I think yeah. parts that we did, did we miss the giant worm part? The asteroid field? The asteroid field? Oh, where they're in the worm. Oh, that was gross yeah. and weird. I didn't like that. So that, that was when they left Hoth. That was where they first ended up. And then they ended up on the back of the cruiser. I mean, that's a fun little scene. You know, Han shows his ability as a pilot going through some asteroids and stuff. But yeah, the trash compactor part's really cool. And then my boy Boba Fett comes into play too during that part as well. So yeah. Did you have any thoughts on Boba Fett? He just seemed like he was all business. And it was just like, I'm just here to take Han. And I was like, okay, he is all business, like, yeah. calm down. Like we get it. You're a bounty hunter. <laughs> like I need to get him right now. And it was like, we get it. Like you're going to get money. Like I already met the Jabba guy in the other movie. Like he seems like the Don, you know, like he's ready, ready to pay out. All right. I just watched goodfellas the other day like i know what's up if you don't get this guy so i i understand I mean, why you need to get this dude i mean to be fair he was working for the most ruthless person in the galaxy and if he didn't get han vader would have killed him so i mean again i feel like a lot of this movie is dramatic like we all need to slow <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> the fate of the galaxy is at stake yeah seriously i mean it's gotta I be a little like dramatic the fate of the galaxy like, like that's a lot it is a lot which i just feel like is a little unnecessary. There's got to be somewhere else we can go. <laughs> I mean, there's only one galaxy. There's only one galaxy. There's not multiple. It was a long time ago. <laughs> you ever think about the fact that this is in the future? That's in the past a long time. You ever think about that? That it says a long time ago? And yeah. Not way in the future. This all already happened a no. long time ago. You ever no, think I actually never thought about that. No. Isn't that because wild? The movie was made a long time ago in my eyes. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, like longer ago than like 30 years, probably like 40 or 50. Maybe. No, like I think it's like a really long time ago. Like guys, this, is, this changes everything. They, ha they have this crazy technology. I can't wrap my mind around this. Isn't now. that wild? And what is the force still with us now? Like It's just sitting dormant right now. That's guys, what I'm saying. The Isn't force is something I don't think I'm ever going to comprehend. I mean, you always think about Star Wars as a future story. Like it's a story from the past. Yep. I got to pay more attention to the floating words in the beginning. The yeah. crawl. <laughs> the scroll, crawl, whatever. Yeah. Right, guys, listen, I'm new here. I don't yeah. understand. You're doing great. You're doing I can barely remember the sequence of events because I'm so excited to talk about like the ending parts that I'm forgetting the whole beginning. I get it that Alex, you know, and the Damons are probably using this to like study for their upcoming, you know, Star Wars Schmodown matches, but that's like why we're here is to get all those terms out. I don't help Alex anymore because I was a terrible helper. But yeah. it's fine. <laughs> the finale is your announcement into Star Wars division, though. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. So after we get eaten by a worm and are hiding behind the cruiser thing of the Empire, and then we want to go hang out with our boy Lando, who like we're kind of frenemies with. And what is up with this dude? Why is he not saying Han? Like what? What are we talking? What are we doing here? What is this dude's name? Is his name Han or is it Han? What is the story with this guy? Yeah, it, his name is Han. It was behind the scenes. It was just the way that Billy D. Williams pronounced his name. That's and they went with it is what happened. And no and one then corrected him. You will find out that it actually at one point does play into the actual canon of Star Wars. Oh God, that is so utterly annoying. But no, um, it's it's not though. It's not. I, I promise you, you'll get there, and it it'll all make sense. It'll all be fun. You'll love it. It'll be good. People okay. talk differently throughout the United States. You know, it's like this is a this is a galaxy full of dramatic people. Who I, dramatic. I understand that, but like you normally pronounce people's names the way they want them pronounced. And to answer your question about like the relationship to me, I'm a poker player. The people I play poker with, maybe I'll go have a drink with them and things like that were kind of cool, but for the most part. The basis of a relationship is like screwing each other over and taking money from each other. So it's like we can only trust each other as far as we can like, you know. So it's like same thing with them. Like they he won the Millennium Falcon in a card game, I think. So Sabah. it's just like exactly. And like he also Lando had no problems trying to take Han's girl right in front of him, like over and over and over and over and like we all have those friends who can't really trust at certain points of our life. So it's a very love hate relationship in this movie specifically. Han and Lando aren't like the best friends. They're not like a Luke and Han. They're acquaintances more so in this movie. And then stuff kind of flourishes and grows. But yeah, it Aaron made a great point about the poker stuff and, you know, card players and it being turmoil. And I like you. I don't like you, you know, because like he said, you take money from each other at this point in Star Wars. Uh, for a lot of people, the biggest thing is their ship. The ship is like their life and blood in Star Wars for a lot of people. And Han took that from Lando. So there's obviously going to be some dismay between the two of them. Okay. We're on Cloud City, by the way. Is in, yes. And like, I remember I definitely as a kid thinking this place is kind of not the nicest. It just seems like he was going to take any place he could get so he could just kind of run it. And like, even if it's just like a piece of crap, it's his piece of crap. Absolutely. Like, he gets to run it. So like, yeah, it's not the nicest Please. All right, so Lando invites them in, shows everybody around, and then my <laughs> least favorite part of the whole movie, because it's my boy, goes into the room, and I was just like, C-3PO, honest to God. I don't understand why I like this character, because I shouldn't at all. And he just, like, bumbles around, and, like, gets blown up! And I literally went, no! <laughs> you're my favorite! And then I was like, does he? I looked at Anthony, I was like, is this it? Like, is it? Because, let me tell you something, I love side characters. Like, when Jamie Kennedy died in Scream 2, well, that was it. I was like, I don't need to watch the rest of this franchise so i was like if, if c3po is done like i'm not watching the rest of these movies like I, we're tapping out no more digesting the fork he's like there's so much more still in this movie <laughs> like you'll be okay so yeah that was my least favorite part of those very concerned do you know who who shot him i mean we do eventually because yeah, that, sure. yeah yeah no i um, yeah okay, okay. So then we kind of don't know what's going on. Leia's all worried about C-3PO. And then Lando's like, oh, come on. Like, let's go get some tea. Like, let's all hang out. Like, this is going to be great. We're all going to go together. And I was like, oh, maybe this guy doesn't suck. And then, bam, you find out. And I was like, <laughs> I went, oh. 
And I was like, I can't believe this. I was like, I didn't see that coming at all. And I was like, yes, you heard C3PO. I was like, holy shit, Darth Vader's here. I was like, shit is about to go down. I was flipping out, literally like I'm doing right now. I love it. I literally love it. I'm like, I can't believe this. I was like, this guy sucks. He's a traitor. I knew it. Oh my God. Yo, I was like, honest to God, afraid. Like when they opened up and I saw him, like my jaw dropped and I almost like a kid, like being scared. Like that's the bad guy. And that's how I felt. And that was my my live reaction everyone so you're welcome for that i am i am so jealous because i don't think i ever had that kind of reaction it makes me really wish that i would have either seen these as an adult now or back then because i don't remember my reactions to all of this and so living through your experience is really cool right now and realizing that darth vader you didn't know he was involved and now all of a sudden he's here with our heroes and it's a really cool experience from this end right now like i'm telling you i had no idea like i did not see it coming at all and i was like oh they're about to have tea and they're gonna come up with the plan to take on the empire like, like a real idiot yeah. when, they, when those doors open you saw him standing there like i lost my mind and i was like oh no stuff's about to go down it's literally like a theatrical experience what you are having yeah. i mean i know i really should have recorded myself because that's it's, yeah and it, it, because what it does is like after what you're saying i'm going back and like repeating it as a movie and being like the restraint they had to never like eek in and be like oh he's approaching the city uh where is he yeah. gonna it, it's like yeah one second and then like they open the door and like it's like who are you talking to man it's like nobody they use so much restraint to create the ultimate kind of dramatic moment when the doors do open and it's like yeah hearing that from your side is absolutely wild right and then while all of this is going down luke is having like flashes that they're in trouble and he can't get that to escape so he's in the middle of his training he's doing okay he's making progress in some parts he's struggling a little bit but i mean obviously he just started his training i'm a teacher so like i see the potential in him i think yoda sees the potential but yoda's kind of an Mm a-hole those are my favorite students though so like he's willing to work with them and then it's kind of like this ultimate choice of like if you go back and save them there's a chance that you're gonna go off to the dark side and then like you have to stay here and Luke was like but they'll die and Yoda was like well then then they die like it's Mm -hmm. more important for you to be here and then you see Luke was like well no because like I care about them too much and then it's like you don't know what the good decision is and that's why I'm like thank god there's more movies because it was definitely not answered enough in this movie because I was like how much time is left I'm smacking it I'm like how much time is left that's one of the biggest critiques about this movie when it came out is that they didn't answer enough questions and it left so much it is like the ultimate sequel because it connects the first movie yeah. and the third movie like and i think as a kid it's why maybe i like third movie so much because the third movie is just all answers and, and like ice cream right. and like frosting it's just like oh i get to learn everything. like i don't have in the second one there's all questions and darkness and losses by the good guys and yeah it's all confusing for a child to view yeah. so like, it's very hard because knowing what we know about star wars now and all the movies we can connect the pieces with what's happening currently in this scene mm-hmm. but back then only seeing this movie you're right the questions are enormous wondering right. what all this means like why can't he care about his friends why does he have to let them die so it's, it's interesting on our end knowing and not being able to tell you because you're gonna <laughs> find out at one point but yeah it definitely is like a very mysterious kind of just like oh i'm gonna dangle it right in front of you but not give you the whole thing type of situation yeah okay so luke decides to go and then here's where i'm gonna start bringing up some questions and maybe this is my own like maybe i missed something but like darth vader seemed to be very concerned with finding luke skywalker and i wasn't totally under the impression that darth vader really knew who he was because they didn't really interact in the first movie so like up until obviously the biggest reveal of like all time you're kind of like why is luke skywalker even on darth vader's radar besides the fact that he's the one that blew up the death star but i was like i didn't know if darth vader even knew that that's who that was So again, I don't know if you can answer this, but I just kind of felt like it seemed weird until obviously I'm assuming the reveal is then why he was so obsessed with Luke. Not at that point. So to this point right now in the movie, he's obsessed with him for two reasons. One, he's connected to his old master, Obi-Wan, with the Force. Two, he blew up the Death Star, which means he's heavily involved in the Force. The Force is strong with him. Um, And at this point in the galaxy, there's not a lot of Force users. There's really only Darth Vader. And as we come to find out in this movie, 
his master. And then I'm sure he knew about Obi-Wan, but he was so dormant and gone for so long that their connection pretty much was severed. As he says in the previous movie, you know, I have not felt a connection like this in a long time. And so all of this is like bringing stuff back from the past that there's a force user again in the galaxy. We can use him to our advantage. The whole big reveal at this point, he didn't know any of that until he met with his master later on in the movie. Okay, so Darth Vader knows of Luke like through the force, basically. He can feel yes. him force. Okay, all right, that answers a question. Awesome. All right, so Luke comes back. Oh my God, the ending of this movie, I was literally like, I can't even, I don't even think I can talk about it because there's so many things that happen. My emotions were literally out of control. I don't know where, somebody pick where we should start because I'm, I, I can't even, I just want to talk about all of it at, at once and we can't do that. I don't know. We should probably just start with the carbonite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of want to talk about that part. chronologically that's kind of what happens next so i will say to your whole not liking chewbacca thing the dude did save c-3po he did he did save C-3PO, and time. he was wearing him as a backpack he was involving him in the situation so that should be a plus on his and side. and c-3po was very ungrateful so that's a minus was <laughs> but yes yeah, so look the carbonite situation before we even get to like him and being frozen everything the whole shocking and him being tormented and tortured with lando standing there and you know like you know you said you were gonna leave leia and chewy with me and darth vader changing the plans and and then boba eventually taking him away back to where he's supposed to go as a bounty as aaron mentioned earlier very dark this is where the movie kind of took the turn and this is why for a long time a lot of people didn't know if this was like the best star wars movie because it was so vastly different from the first one we didn't see things like this in the first movie and this is really like the only time that we see a lot of this stuff in star wars it takes a very serious grounded approach to it all it kind of steps away from that fantastical side of it all and really goes into the story and like shows like why these villains are so bad and why the empire is so bad and why boba fett is so important and how ruthless darth vader can really be and again how small the rebellion is compared to what the empire can do and how they have their fingers in everything and that they weren't afraid to put our heroes in incredibly awful situations. Like, when was the last time we saw a hero be completely tormented the way that Han was in this movie? I can't remember. Like, in the Marvel movies and stuff, like, I don't remember the last time a hero was put in that kind of situation. Pretty much, like, to the point of being paralyzed. So, I appreciate it. As a kid, different story. Now, I incredibly mm-hmm. appreciate it because they took a risk and it really paid off. And yeah, we, and- got, we got Leia to confess her feelings. That's true. Which I think is all the character development. I don't want to completely take away the credit from Lucas, but that is Irvin Kirshner and his writing. Absolutely. That character development is what was missing from the first movie. I think why we're having such more complicated discussions here with this movie. And it's getting into, I think, some just more adult themes just because that was added. That layer was added to this movie that I think is missing from most of the Star Wars movies. Also. Sure. And it's just like, I mean, when she says, I love you, and he goes, I know back, like, it's just like how that's pulled off and not nauseating but one of like the best I love you moments it's up there with like a Casablanca it's up up there with a Roman whatever romance of choice I mean to say I know because they kept saying I love you I love you too and it's just like no and like they finally Irvin Kirshner who was the director also said improvise to Harrison Ford who is a good actor on you know (laughs) and so he made that choice and so few actors could pull that off like I know and it's just like not having to be like did he just say I know but he said oh my guy said i know he knows like it's iconic and yeah it's stamped everywhere and it's when people talk about love stories they talk about those moments where they confess to each other and as you mentioned casablanca is always up there this is up there and to think that a star wars movie a giant blockbuster movie that's about sci-fi and space wars is up there like that i mean that's a hard thing to pull off and like you said that's full credit to carrie fisher and harrison ford being able to do that and making it so fluid and making it feel like it just feels right like it's not cheesy it's not this weird moment it just feels right yeah and it's like we don't know what's happening to han for from here like he's a carbonite wall now yeah he's yeah that was weird and it's like we don't know the rules of that or what's up with that but it's just like as far as we know he's done and yep. it's just like that is what a exit for a character 
to go out. He's like, I love you. And just Michael Jackson's his look up to the sky and gets <laughs> it's like me like he must have been like, yo, bro, as soon as I say the line, like, <laughs> let's go. He's like, I got you. I got you. You're about to be an ice block. Like, I got you. Well, yeah, because you're like, is this gonna kill him? You find out that he's still alive in there, which is like almost worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then should we now talk about the biggest twist of all time in movies? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. There, okay, and here's my other thing. The lightsaber sound bothers me. Oh, my I, think I think I'm very sound sensitive. I've decided. <laughs> I was like, just, yeah, it's just like, wah, wah. and I was like, this is like hurting my ears. I don't even know, guys. Weird so I will say that's 1980s effects, so that's fine. It will get better over time. Okay, the sounds are just a little much. Lightsabers in themselves are cool. The sound just is like a little annoying. <laughs> They're doing their thing, and it's like, come to the dark side, blah, blah, blah. Biggest mm-hmm. line of all time. Like, you killed my dad. And it's like, no, I am your father. And he's like... It's not true. Wait, actually, uh, rewind. When he chopped off his hand, I was like, <laughs> another dark moment. Another yeah. one, yes. Yeah. So again, I'm freaking out because I was like, oh no, he doesn't have a hand. And I was like, man, this guy's, I think, has a lot more movies and he doesn't have a hand. I was like, this is going to be very complicated. Then he get the big reveal and he's like, this isn't true. And then the, no. And I was like, listen, bro, I saw you in the first movie. You literally watched the burned up corpses of the people that raised you and had no emotion then you find out your dad's alive and yeah he kind of sucks but he's right there in front of you and you're like no I was well, like, his hand was chopped off at the same time yeah guys been crying about that a little bit i thought that part was kind of corny what I, I did i thought it was corny i just thought this oh was too hard corny <laughs> I, I couldn't. Oh my god! So I rewatched it today, right before we came on this podcast, from essentially that part on for the rest of the movie, oh and god. I, for the second time, was like, I didn't get down with this reaction. It seemed like very forced, <laughs> and I just feel like I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what reaction I was expecting, but I just didn't like that one. Oh my god! I'm speechless. <laughs> Like I was mad. I, I don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love understanding people's perspectives, but my good, this is not a part I was expecting to have to deal with. You know, and, <laughs> whew, this is a lot to digest, Christina. A I'm lot. sorry. I agree, just because it's too a lot. It's considered the greatest movie moment of all time. Yeah, right, and that's like the only part about the movie I knew, which kind of stunk. I wonder if your perspective would have been different, not knowing what would have happened. Right. I'm wondering if it kind of ruined it. It's literally the only thing I knew about Star Wars okay. was that moment. And just okay. lay a little bit of a defense attorney here for the greatest moment in not only Star Wars history, of cinematic history. This puts Luke in another ultimate test where now his father's standing before him, offering him ultimate power and also saying, it's your destiny. I'm your, you're my son. Like he makes the decision just like fall off and that fall is like, it makes you like can't your stomach drop seeing how far he's falling and then it's like goes through a slide which is yeah. kind of cool yeah. uh, but like and then he's just holding on left for dead at the bottom and he just is like you know the person with their with their rosary you know doing the hail mary doing the last prayer just reaching out to that last bit of belief they have as he's hanging left for dead in the middle of the sky and like he contacts the force like but like he had made the decision he was going to die now, I have a question now, and I don't know if you can answer it. Can the right. force communicate with anybody, or do you have to potentially like a special someone to communicate? Because he reaches out to Ben, and Ben doesn't answer, and he reaches out to Leia, and she hears him. So why can Leia hear him? So I'm going to speak on terms of just, just mm-hmm. where you're currently at in Star Wars. Okay. You have to be what's called force-sensitive. Okay. And this means that Leia is force sensitive. Okay. All right. Don't tell me anymore. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't pick it up the first watch. I was like, oh, the force can just talk to anybody. And then the second watch, I was like, maybe the force can't just talk to anybody. And I'm wondering if there's a reason why she well, hurt him. Because you, not only that, but Yoda says, I believe it's Yoda who says there's another in the galaxy referring to someone other than Luke. So when Luke takes off from Dagobah, you see yeah. Force Ghost Obi-Wan and right. you see Yoda standing together. Well, technically, Force Ghost Obi-Wan is sitting on a tree log, but he says that boy is our last chance. And he goes, no, there is another. And this is kind of leading into that moment 
of the reveal that she is force sensitive. Which again, going back to the first episode, I mentioned like there is an equal part of the story that is Leia's story that is Luke's story throughout these Absolutely. three movies. And yeah. as a kid, I just was only looking at the boy character with the sword blade and not yeah. general in the background, yeah. who's making all the decisions in the first movie, as you pointed out, Christina, who's like, <laughs> all right, you guys aren't going to do it. Like, I'll do it. Like, And in this movie, again, she's like a absolute general running an entire plan and not one bit of her is like treat me like a princess not one bit of her looks like a princess in this movie like well, she doesn't like, even introduce herself as a princess she just no, tells not, her she Leia. yeah exactly she was the first wave of characters of these quote-unquote damsel in distresses that weren't damsel in distresses the Ellen Ripley's of the world followed the, yeah. you know, the Sarah Connors, they followed after what they did with Leia and the Star Wars movies. And it was very refreshing at this time period, I can imagine. But now it's also very important as well. Yeah. And it's like not looked at like, I don't feel like Leia's pointed to as like the one of the early female kind of heroine. I feel like it's Ripley who's always pointed to that. And so yeah. like, they, yeah. because she, again, she doesn't always have a gun or a laser sword in her hand. Like she's doing it with her intellect. Which yeah. is kind of what Yoda and everybody on the light side of the force is trying to get. Anyways, Yoda, just to pop back in real quick, doesn't have a lightsaber. You know, he doesn't, like, that's how much he is a handle on the force. He doesn't need these ways of intimidating through that. He has the ultimate control. They doesn't need to exert it by using it. Like, that's the point of the force at the end of the day, truly. Hmm. All right. So, one more question. Do we think that Luke was calling out to Leia like as like a, I'm about to die and I'm just thinking of my friend that I care about? Or do you think he was calling out to her because he thought that she would be able to hear him? She would be able to hear him. He kind of knew that. He kind of thought that that could happen. I think he was trying to channel himself through the force. It could be left up from debate, but I think he was channeling himself through the force as Yoda was teaching him previously and reaching out to those he's who's connected the most to. And Leia was the first go-to because she was kind of like the first character that he gravitated towards outside of Han, obviously. But he saw what happened to Han. And so it was definitely a call for, hey, can you hear me? Not so much a, I will see you in the afterlife situation. I really just look at it as like the ultimate letting yourself go and take letting faith yeah. take over. Yeah. Okay. If not, so be it. And I'm going to fall into the clouds and nothing. I just think the decision to turn away from his father and finding on that moment and just like he was falling into an infinity abyss there. He had no plan of falling and hanging onto a hanger on the bottom of Cloud City and just like the unlikeliness of his saving like that is beyond miraculous. So it's like. Uh, but it plays such a key role, especially in the third movie. So it'll be interesting maybe if you revisit that reveal once you get the... Because I know you not you have an issue with ambiguity, Christina, in movies. And this movie has a ton of it. And I think you're taking it out on this moment because you don't have the answers of what it really means yet. So uh, I think you're... I, th I do think that the ambiguity aspect of this movie is keeping you from fully enjoying it. All right. Whatever. All right. So Leia saves Luke. And then we basically decide that Lando and Chewie are going to go find Han. Luke gets a new hand. Thank God. A mechanical one. Very winter soldier of him. And Leia and Luke, you know, they stare out into space and that's how it ends. And then you're like, and you know what? The movie, like the credits start up real quick and you're just like, damn, they just ended the movie. I will say that I thought that the movie was going to end with the reveal of the father. I thought that was going to be like on one of the last scenes because it was like getting close to the end. And I was like, is this how they're ending it? Is this how they're gonna end it could you imagine they ended the movie like that but i mean it only ended like it was 20 minutes later maybe not even maybe 15 that the movie ended so just a it, little tiny more closure than what they had yeah. before yeah yeah just a little bit but definitely opening up that there's more to this story and i cannot believe that it was three years later like i, <laughs> I cannot believe that yeah well and back then not having like trailers and like the media that we have now you right. knew nothing you one day just saw that oh there's a new star wars movie there was yeah. no real lead up back then and I, yeah, I knowing what I know now about a movie fan, I would hate to be back in the 70s and 80s realizing that you had to wait that long without seeing anything about it. 
I would love to be a movie fan in the 70s or 80s. <laughs> I mean, I am so against binge culture and like releasing seasons all at once and things oh, like me that. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And it's just like the delayed gratification for entertainment is just like can't really replicate it. And the disappointment when you have something like what happened with Game of Thrones. So it's yeah. like it works both ways. Like anticipation can turn into hype and then kill. But I just can't imagine talking with my friends for two plus years after this came out about like no Hans screw no he's not he's like every aspect of this movie like it's just the epicness that creates for the finale I mean this the structure of the second movie I think is just so incredible and the amount of trust it puts in this material and its audience to be able to hang in there and it's wild and yeah now are you ready for your closing thoughts and ratings all right Jake you're gonna go last because you're our expert but it is typical letterbox rating so out of five stars so Aaron, we'll start with you. Yes. So I'm rating all of these on my rewatch as an adult paying attention. As a kid, I said this was my least favorite of the original trilogy. By far, it wasn't even close. Like I thought it was the worst. As I've grown up now, I love the darkness, the character development in this movie, the functionality it serves as a sequel, the expansion on the score. That was one part I've paid attention to a lot. I think the score was so improved from New Hope to this. John Williams, like, it's, I mean, some people will be like, oh, it's like basically the same. No, it's, no, he it's has a full hand on London Symphony at this point that he's working with for his second straight movie now. And I think George Lucas, by taking a step back, got to work on some of these other aspects more and not have to focus on the character development and the writing as much which he shows he's very weak for in some movies moving forward but yeah my rating it's can't quite go all the way but i'm gonna give it another four and a half stars okay i tend to like sequels better actually because i love when you continue the story so like you get the part where it sets everything up and it's like okay now i know who you are and then i feel like the second movie where we can get into like the nitty gritty back to the future two is my favorite the winter soldier oh, yeah. is my favorite so i really like it's like okay i already met you guys you set it up so now like what are we going to do with your story i loved han and leia's story i really really love luke as the hero i don't know what it is about him i just really really like him i just think i don't know he just has this like childlike energy to him of just like always wanting to do well and always wanting to help people and he just plays it so well that you just want to root for him and i just really like that they haven't like destroyed that aspect of a new hope don't look at me like that guys i i want him to always be good and you're making me nervous oh no no no, no. <laughs> no, no I, I was just listening i, I don't, don't read anything into my face Oh, okay. I was like, oh no, is this something happened? <laughs> Obviously, C-3PO is hilarious. You know, <laughs> bringing Yoda in was always good. But yeah, like I was literally like, there were parts where I was like deeply concerned. I mean, Darth Vader, like it becomes scarier in this movie and it, he becomes a true villain. I think it's, he's more of the bad guy in the first movie and he is an actual villain in this one. It's really setting it up for what's about to happen, which I'm excited about. And I feel like it answers some questions and opens up some new ones, which is always exciting to keep you, um, you know, interested i really thought i was gonna hate these movies guys i'm not gonna lie to everyone like i didn't watch star wars movies because they were for the dorky kids and i didn't want to be a dork and now i'm like all about my inner dork right now and i'm gonna give this one also a 4.5 because this was a great movie and i'm really excited that we're doing this and i'm very excited for the next one all right jake what do you got yeah. I'm on record with a lot of people. This is my, not just my all-time favorite Star Wars movie, but this is my all-time favorite movie in general. It's my number one movie that I've ever seen. I've seen it more times than any movie ever. And I, I understand that sometimes it's not for everybody just because we've talked about it, how dark it can be, how kind of open-ended it can be. But just looking at Star Wars as what it is, it, it captures everything I want as not just a Star Wars fan, but a film fan. It really touches and checks all those boxes that you look at as a film fan, like, okay, does it have a story? Okay, it has a great story. Can it do some character development? It has great character development. Does it push everything in the right direction as where I want to see? Are the villains good? Is like the motivations good? Are the supporting characters good? Are you able to bring good things into the movie that we've never seen before that makes sense? I mean, the introduction of Yoda for me is brilliant to bring a giant character like that into this movie and it be so successful while also building on what Obi-Wan is doing as a force ghost. It's perfect for me. It's brilliantly done in every aspect. It's a total five out of five for me and it, it always will be. Nothing has come close to it as far as Star Wars for me. It's number one for a reason and I think it 
it always will be for no matter what else comes out. And I am extremely happy that you enjoyed it because it was definitely the riskier one of the bunch. I will tell you that much. It is the riskier one of the bunch. So I'm really, really happy that you did enjoy it. I did. I really liked it. And that puts us at a 4.7 as an average, which I think is doing very good. Yeah. yeah 95% on, <laughs> I think that will get forgiven by the Star Wars community. It's always known to be super chill. Yeah. Uh, I think so. to get five stars, like that's a lot. That's a lot. And I haven't seen them all yet. So maybe once I watch all of them and I get the full story, maybe I'll appreciate it a little bit more. But okay. right now, watched it one time and then the last 20 minutes a second time is all I know about this movie. <laughs> Jake, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. It was awesome talking to you. For those of you that are listening, we will be back next Friday talking about Return of the Jedi with my faction mate, Zach. And he, I don't know. I don't know. There might be tears shed because apparently this is a lot of people's favorite movies. Some people. Some people gets different reactions from it's, people. It's probably the most split out of the three. I'll Ooh. tell you that. But Zach, Zach gets passionate. I know. He gets yeah, passionate. I, I love listening to him talk Star Wars, so I'm very excited to see what he says. Awesome. I'm so excited. Everybody have a great day, great week, and may the fourth, oh, may the fourth be with you because it is May 4th, and may the force be with you. <laughs>